You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are currently working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is N, and N is for non-monogamy. Now, non-monogamy comes in a wide variety of forms from unethical, unethical non-monogamy is an affair, to many ethical choices like swinging, polyamory, there's relationship anarchy. These are just a few of the multitude of choices if you are going to have a non-monogamous relationship. Joining me today to talk about all types of non-monogamy is Ruby Bowie-Johnson. She is a sex therapist and sex educator in private practice in Plano, Texas. Her areas of expertise are ethical non-monogamous partnerships and families, kink and BDSM, desire discrepancy, and infidelity. Ruby is the CEO and organizer for Poly Dallas Millennium, LLC. She's presented including keynotes at several national conferences, is interviewed on radio, blogs, podcasts, and for magazines like Playboy, Vice, and Women's Health. She serves on the board of directors for the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, serves on two task forces that are formulating guidelines for clinical practice for kink and BDSM and consensual non-monogamy for the American Psychological Association. She serves on the advocacy committee for the American Association of Sexologists, Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. She received the 2018 Professional Standard of Excellence Award from them. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so let's start with some definitions for people. Um, <laughs> so we, we defined unethical non-monogamy. And in, in fact, um, we're probably not going to talk about affairs today, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of consensual non-monogamy. What are the main terms that you think people really need to know? Um, I think understanding what consensual non-monogamy is, just the general concept. And mm-hmm. the way I define it is it's non-monogamy where people maintain multiple simultaneous sexual and emotional relationships where all are aware and consenting. Um, that is my favorite definition for it. It's, I love that because it's really straightforward and it yes. just says what it is. doesn't yes. complicate anything. So any, any relationship pattern that does that is uh-huh. consensual non-monogamy. The pattern actually doesn't matter. Right. Whether you're saying, oh, I'm polyamorous or I'm, I'm a relationship anarchist, that says something about how you do consensual non-monogamy. Right. Exactly. As exactly. It's the various dynamics. And there's several dynamics. There's solo polyamory. There's RA or relationship anarchists. Um, there's the purists of polyamory where there's hierarchical relationships. So the framework or the dynamic is what sets it apart from that overall overarching definition. So, um, uh, what what for you is solo polyamory? 
to me, solo polyamory is an individual who has relationships, um, you know, one-on-one relationships, but they're not attached to a primary, you know, or they may not have an anchor or nesting partner. This is an individual who has standalone relationships, you know. So, I mean, I've always thought of it as they're kind of their primary relationship. Absolutely. Usually a person who's a solo polyamorous doesn't live with a partner. Right. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. This individual doesn't want that kind of entanglement Mm -hmm. with another person. And then um, RA is always an interesting one for me. So describe what RA is. That's me. I'm (laughs) RA. (laughs) You're the best person to describe it as far as I'm concerned. Well, the way I do it, (laughs) it's um, non-territorial, non-possessive, non-hierarchical relationships. Each one of my relationships stands on its own despite all other ones, you know, I'm still committed to the person I'm with, et cetera. But there's, I can have a friendship that starts six months and I could have had a relationship going for 10 years, but they're all the same. There's no big eyes, little U's. Right. Um, and so I always find that interesting because um, I, I'm in a 24 seven um, power exchange and we've had the discussion I would normally just say I'm polyamorous, but actually I don't have agency. Interesting. (laughs) Right. And you need to, you need agency to be truly polyamorous, but I don't have agency because I hand that over to him. Right. And Um, so, yeah. So, so I'm hierarchical, but whether I want to be or not. Right. And that is the challenges with the inherent dynamic of kink overlapping polyamory is it's that's what I see a lot in my practice because it's two different paradigms trying to come together and inherently that power dynamic clashes with certain elements of polyamory well I mean the way that he kind of works at it looks at it um and I I mean I had this conversation um I think I originally had this conversation with Chalk Trey about, because she said that she, you know, she's not polyamorous. She loans people because she's an owner. <laughs> right. And I hadn't actually thought about that. Uh-huh. Right. And, and that's when we started talking about it because I, I hadn't actually thought about it. So I kind of brought that home and said, and, and, and actually he was president for part of the conversation and said, well, what do you think about how that relates to us? Mm-hmm. And what's interesting for me is that there's two parts to this. One is, is that because we have a hierarchy, we, that, that means that inherently any relationships I'm in have some degree of a hierarchy. Right. Because I have, he's my first priority. But, mm-hmm. there's, but there's also the fact that he lives with me. He's married to me. He takes care of me. It went <laughs> ill. You know, he's pays bills with me. And so, I mean, I think there is a degree to which that doesn't make the love more important, right? Right, right. But there's a time priority that he gets. Right. Does that I, make sense to you? Yeah, I, I call that practical. You right. know, um, in a sense, there is these four different types of monogamy and we'll do that separately if you so choose. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's an inherent 
hierarchy and polyamory also, you know, and also it's a hierarchy and kink. There's just certain things that are present automatically, you know, money, y'all are entangled in so many different ways. It's going to be very, very difficult not to have a hierarchical element. Right. And so for us, I mean, what, what it really means for him is if, if a relationship was bad, if he was not happy, if he felt the relationship was abusive to me, then he would end it. Right. Um, but for the most part, he lets me run my own relationships. So although I don't officially have agency in as much as he could, you know, cut it at any time, uh-huh. um, he's actually never done that. Right. And we've been together 10 years. So. Yes. There's never been a reason to. Yeah. So he, he doesn't veto any of your relationships. He would veto before I got involved. But then okay. I have veto power with him, too. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, um, I am very good at spotting people who don't respect, a pro- who don't respect the existing relationships. Right. And so, and he's not. He's very okay. good at that. Um and so um, if, I, if my sense is that, that somebody is not respecting my relationship with him, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll investigate. And if I feel that after investigating that actually, yes, this person really is never going to respect my relationship with him, uh-huh. that will be a veto. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, or if I see that somebody's going to bring an immense amount of drama into our lives. Right. Because I'm really good at spotting that too. And I think it's I think it's cool that you're able to have a relationship dynamic where you are the eyes and ears yeah. of the relationship. Because when someone is emotionally, you know, NRE, I'm I'm really digging this person, they are blind as fuck. Oh, can I cuss? Yes, you can cuss as much as you like. They are, you know, folks can be really, really blind because of you know, that oxytocin, dopamine. No, they're so excited. Yeah, but you on the sidelines is going, oh, hell no. This right. is this is not going to work. You know, you yeah. have that forethought. That yeah, and it, it makes life much easier. Um, we, um, we're about three minutes from break. Um, and so when, after the break, we will continue on this. I do want to do a couple of other definitions. Um, right. uh, oh, and for those of you who don't know, NRE is new relationship energy. Oh, <laughs> That's that thing like when you're falling in love and that's when all the oxytocin and the dopamine and everything is flying around in your body. It's about the first two years uh-huh. of your relationship unless you have a long distance relationship and you can make it last. A whole chemical, long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> make chemicals last a lot longer. Um, but that kind of stuff is, for us, it, it's interesting because, you know, some people will say, well, well, you don't look hierarchical. It's like, yeah, we really are. Uh-huh. But you see our structure more in our interactions. He doesn't feel a need. He does things because it turns him on and it's fun to do. Because right. that's, that's the only reason, in, in, in our opinions, to really have, you know, why would you enter a power exchange if you didn't get something out of it? Right. Absolutely. Right. right. But, he, but he doesn't feel, he doesn't have anxiety um, he, he, I guess I, I'm saying he's confident in himself, so he doesn't feel the need to over control things, right? Right, which is good because I'm not very good at being over controlled, yeah. So, he doesn't have a one penis policy. Oh, god, no, I have, <laughs> no, he, no, no. Um, but I mean, it also helps that he's also he's also bisexual, so yeah, oh, he, that's he, 
he would find that weird. Yeah, that is very hot that he's bisexual, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and um, out bisexual black men are not uh-huh. very um, common, out and vocal bisexual. They're not, they're not very out and vocal. Yeah, yeah. they tend not to be very out and, and vocal, but yeah. he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, no one penis policy. Um, uh-huh. And... And I would have trouble if he did have one because because I think that's artificial and comes out of jealousy more than anything else. Right. Absolutely. But, but you know, we I never even had to have the argument or the discussion. I know some women who have like really fought that. And I, uh-huh. I didn't have to do that. He's like, oh, yeah. A yeah. person is a person. I'm going to evaluate the person. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it's also very insulting to women who are bisexual. You know, women who are lesbians that their sexual uh, dynamics or or behaviors are less than it's not viewed as real sex. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like I don't do them because that isn't the same, honey. It's like, yeah, no, really? So we are about to go off to break and we'll be back in a minute. If you've got questions, please do ring in and also email Um, I do read the emails during the show and I will put the question and we will answer it. Yeah. See you in about a couple of minutes. Explore your deeper desires. Listen, learn and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. How do you feel about a non-monogamous lifestyle? Does it sound enticing? Are you worried about what others might think? Your questions are answered on Sex Interrupted with Tara and James. It's a discussion about the swinger lifestyle, non-monogamy, sex, sexuality, and where it all fits in. All we ask is that you listen with an open heart and an open mind, and you will find your desires and fantasies can come true. Tune in to Sex Interrupted with Tara and James every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. 
Welcome back to today's show. It's N is for non-monogamy, and we are talking with Ruby Bowie Johnson. So, before the break, we were talking about one-penis policies. <laughs> well, I always find that one really interesting because, I mean, one of the biggest questions I get asked about non-monogamy, and I suspect you hear this one a lot, too, is what, do you, what, what about jealousy, right? Right. And, like, for me, really, jealousy is, a, is about time. Like, okay. Everybody feels jealousy at some right. point. I, I don't right. think you, it's a normal human emotion. You're going to feel it. Right. But when people work well with non-monogamy, jealousy tends not to be about the other person. It tends to be about time or what you're doing with someone. Like right. if, you're, if you're ill and you're at home and you're, you know, you're not allowed to do any fun things for a long period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're partner is out doing lots of fun things with other people right you're have some problems with that versus if you're also able to be doing lots of fun things right and i actually would call that envy versus yes jealousy you i like know, that distinction yeah because it can sometimes mm-hmm. be conflated um also there can be jealousy and envy of course simultaneously and this is so many emotions that are attached. And what I find is when someone is jealous, it is about time sharing. Also, it's about displacement. Like I'm not the priority in this person's mm-hmm. life anymore. And it's um, also, also, it can be about my partner is responding differently. Right. To this other person, you know, like, they can be in a three-way and the partner moans differently <laughs> with this right. person versus, the no- versus another person. But jealousy tends to be this scary thing that has all of this mystical power around it. And I think we blow it up more than it needs to be blown up. I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I don't, often when I see couples or individuals who are non-monogamous and having problems with jealousy... It isn't, for the, a large majority, it's not that difficult to work with. Right. It, the times it's really difficult to work with is when somebody is really insecure or yeah. when they really aren't wanting a non-monogamous relationship. Absolutely. Amen. Sing it from the mountaintops. Absolutely. I mean, you know how often we see, and particular, yes. particularly women, although I do sometimes get men come in with this. Yeah. But particularly women who have felt a need to go along with their partner's desire to open the relationship up. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, something really interesting this week. I get Gottman's feed, you know. Mm-hmm. There was um I haven't read the whole article. They've just done an article on my partner wants to open up the relationship. Interesting. They had it be the woman wanting to open the relationship. And uh-huh. it appears, and then it said, like, you know, how to make monogamy hot again. So I was really actually quite disappointed by that headline because I went, gee, couldn't you have taken the opportunity to suggest that, yeah, there are other types of relationship that have validity? Yeah. You know, John Gottman has a huge issue with consensual non-monogamy and I don't have any I don't have anything against Gottman he he, there's a lot of work that you can like infuse into kink and be yeah a whole lot that you can use but it's well known that he has a huge issue 
Well, that'll be why that article said that. I was actually, I mean, I was, I, I was going to write a comment to it because I was so offended. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, did you have to deal with it that way? It's unnecessary to kind of negate something that I know is healthy for some people. Well, please forward that article to me. I will comment. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, but, you know, so, it's, so it is interesting. It is very interesting to me how often people feel coerced into this. Right. I call that um, limited consent. And it typically happens when folks want to turn an affair into polyamory, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. It's like, one partner, and I get this is what I get the most within my practice is someone has been having a long term affair. The other partner finds out about it, and they know that their partner is not going to end this relationship. So, what can we do so that I'm in a no and you're no longer lying to me? Right, it's, it's going to happen, and it's that that transition right there. Right. You're going from monogamy to the shock of an affair. Now you want to put me in a whole new paradigm of polyamory or non-monogamy. And this person is it's like trauma. Yes. Yeah. It's a traumatic hit. And how well do how well do people do uh, in making that kind of transition? Well, well. <laughs> I have seen it work a couple of times. Yeah. But typically the level of trust and honesty that is needed for an open relationship, you're like starting at negative 69. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, yeah. and what people don't realize is that the, the, the trauma from affairs is not about the sex. Right. It's, right. About, it's about the trust. It's right. about you lied to me for how long. Right. It's and the emotional, not the physical. That's right. And so, you know, and and in order to be consensually non-monogamous, you do need to trust. You need, I mean, to me, the, the most important things is you need some confidence in your own self. Right. right? Some comfort right. with yourself and confidence in your own self and your place in the world. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and you need superior communication skills. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, that is what is the most interesting benefit, in my opinion, of non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, is that the level of growth that can come if you're able to weather that crisis of deconstruction right all that has been conditioned because there's going to be stuff inside of you that monogamy has has hidden because you know you can hide under you know my one and only you're not going to go anywhere all of this and then you shift that paradigm to where your partner can see other people insecurities you know um who am i what is my place in this world like you said that that ex, that existential shift can be a motherfucker. Yeah, I agree. I, I call that um, um, uh, a colleague and I call that monogamy hangover. <laughs> yes. 
it's it's the it's when those myths uh-huh are cracked right um and so like you can still be monogamous and have a monogamy hangover because it's the myths that you're dealing with right but it's mm-hmm. when those myths are cracked and you actually have to look at the fact that happily ever after is non-existent because that's right. a static right. and we're, you know, we're recreating our relationship every moment right. or every day, depending on how you look at, at, at how you create life. But right. you know, it certainly isn't static. That's the end of the movie where it says the end, right? Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. And, and I mean, uh, Disney has a lot to pay for with that as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's um, a couple that I'm working with and they are a quad. A quad is when there's four people, you know, it could be two couples, be it same sex, heterosexual, and they have relationships. It just depends on what it looks like. You know, it can be a a Z, you know, where there's all of these different structures. And I'm very social justice oriented within my therapy. And so we are actually looking at breaking down competitiveness, you know, because we're in a capitalistic world where it's always about someone one up in someone else comparison. So we're looking at breaking that down so that this can work. That's really cool. We are about one minute from break. And I want to pick that theme up afterwards because I think that's a really important one. Um, And it's something that has relativity to, to, to everyone. Right. Absolutely. We will be back shortly. Um, Again, you can call in with your questions or email and they will be answered on the show. It doesn't have to be on this topic. It can be on any topic dealing with sex and relationships and we'll endeavor to answer and we will see you after a word from our sponsors. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter. All on thesexylifestyle.com. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. What is your level of sexual expertise? Want to find something new? Listen for Sisters of Sexuality every week on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. There's no judgment here, and every topic is safe and sex positive. So we'll explore them together. It's time to push your sexual boundaries and try some new experiences with your hosts, Taylor Sparks, Parish Michelle Blair, and Jet Setting Jasmine, with Marla Renee Stewart and Tiffany Janae. You won't want to miss a single show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? 
It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This week, it's Annie's for Non-Monogamy, and we're talking with Ruby Bowie Johnson. And just before the break, we were talking about um, deconstructing this kind of whole capitalist idea and competition, looking at, at some of these relationships from a social justice perspective. Right. And one of the things I think is so important about that is, you know, from a, from a professional, I have a professional understanding about why people are competitive. From a right. personal understanding, one of my great pains in life was not understanding why women persist in competing with each other. Yes. Absolutely. And, and, and stabbing each other and running each other down. And, and I had somebody ask me um, when I was at TED um, last week about, or was, when is it? Yeah, it's still last week, just about a week and a half ago, um, about um, whether, and about who I like to hang out with more men or women or, mm-hmm. or non binary. Did I have a preference? And I said, right. no, I don't really have a preference at all. But I note that I have found hanging out with men easier. Uh And the reason for that is that they're not most of the time, not always though, (laughs) because my degrees have been an issue in relationships, but most of the time they're not competing with me. Uh Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, my degree, my, my first marriage, I ended up putting him through school so he could get a bachelor's degree. And he was a phenomenal therapist and didn't need, extra qualifications right. here at the time. There was no licensure. So he didn't right. need this, but he couldn't stand the fact that he didn't have any degrees and I had three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was like, okay, I don't understand what the problem is. I remember speed dating. Yeah. Uh, when it first came out, I was in graduate school and, um, you know, the, the guy would say to me, um, hey, you know, what do, what, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm studying, to, I'm getting my PhD in clinical psychology. And that was the end of the conversation. Right, right. My, my father <laughs> told me because this is when I was a younger self and I was out there and I thought the ideal was to get married and have 5.2 kids, right? Right. And so my father said, you will never tell the guy that you have a master's or a PhD. Don't tell him because you will never get married. My father told me that. My, uh, father, my father told me to have to hide myself. <laughs> my, that's interesting. My dad did not want me to hide myself. He wanted me to like, you know, not dumb down. And my mother wanted me to not dumb down. But uh-huh. I did. And I got this message from my mother who um, stopped working to raise a family. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure she knew she gave me the message, but the message through my childhood always was you, it, you learn how to take care of yourself. Right. Learn how to support yourself. So, I, I mean, I went and did that and then supported partners. And I've been, right. the, person, I've been the person who's had the higher income in, in all of my main relationships. Well, I think this may be a cultural difference. Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I am. I'm in the, I'm in the South in, in the States. Right. And so I was raised Southern Baptist yeah. and my mom always said, you know, always do what your man wants you to do. You know, always stay skinny, cook, fuck on demand, do all of that. Never give him an excuse for anything. 
but always have a backup plan. Well, so that's really interesting, right? Because that's like never give him an excuse as though. Say it. As a, we're responsible for their yes. affairs, right? And that's, and that's where the competitiveness comes. Exactly. You know where it comes from? It comes from that right there. Exactly. Because women are so much of the well-being of relationships is placed on the woman. So if it fails, it's her, it's her fault. If, it's, if it succeeds, it's, it's his fault. You know, he did it. So women start to compete and compare themselves to other women so that they can make sure that they are, you know, keeping their territory safe from any body intruding. And so what's interesting to me is, is that, that, that you see that even in same sex relationships with women, Mm -hmm. you see the same level, which, I mean, it pains me to say, if you go into solely queer spaces, you see the same level of competition going on. when you're looking at heteronormative spaces because and it's not just for men anymore now Uh it's about jobs now it's there's it's always from this scarcity model of the universe which says that we you know there isn't enough for all of Uh us so Uh i better grab mine because there's not enough for you Uh everything i can to run you down in order to make sure i have mine right which which emotionally has never made sense to me yeah um And, and so I find it very difficult. Um, and I, I mean, obviously I'm much older and now, so I've, I've evolved to understand it and spot it and I try and avoid it and move around it. I educate right. people. Um, but it's still, it's one of those things when it intersects with non-monogamy that drives me spare. Right. You also see it a lot with, how do I put this? With Women who are bisexual because of their men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's this expectation, you know, um, we were talking about this at a dinner, no, a brunch with some women that, I, um, are, that I'm in a book club with and we do books about polyamory. And so cool. we, were, we were having this discussion about the shame of not being bisexual and being non-monogamous. Because it's that expectation that you're going to want to be with a woman. It's, you know, all women are, are bisexual. So, I, I've heard men say that. I mean, I've actually heard men come out and say that. And uh, as a woman who is attracted, so for me, my attractions are based on, I mean, people who've listened to the show have heard me say this countless times. My attractions are not actually based in gender. Right. Um, my main attraction focus is, is power. I love uh-huh. power dynamics. And then I love it. I love women. I love men. I love non-binary, right? Because, uh, like, I, I find something attractive in everyone. That's good I me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use pansexual because I don't know what pansexual means. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, because in my experience, pansexual are, are, um, are mostly heterosexual people who are dabbling. And I don't want to think. And I don't want to offend anybody who's, who has really claimed that identity. I'm being very clear that those are the people I've met. So I've never used it. And I've used queer. Right. I use bisexual to make a political point sometimes because we're right. invisible. Um, yeah. But in, in kink spaces in particular and in um, um, around some of the het, het dominant 
male dominant, female submissive right. groups and leather groups. You see a lot of women coming, trying to come into an existing dynamic mm-hmm. with the idea of competing and, and getting rid of the person who's there. Right. Because they're looking for their one. Right. Right. And depending on the culture, it's how they call their one. I hear a lot of I'm looking for my king. Okay. It's the imposter syndrome, polyamory style. Oh, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) There is so much imposter syndrome that we have where we want to present as the, the perfect something. Yeah. Behind, we're scared. We have ulterior motives, you know, we have intentions that are unconscious. Also, we don't want to admit, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. Right. You know, and it's okay to say that. I, I tell my clients, I'm like, you're it's usually a monogamous woman with a polyamorous fella, you know, and we're sitting there and this gentleman is saying, you don't accept me because you don't accept all of my partners. And I don't have to tell them just because she is saying no, doesn't mean it's no to you as a human being. Right. Give her space and room to be herself. You want her to accept polyamory. Do you accept her monogamy? You know? Well, and, and what's really interesting is that that's the question I get asked most often from my writing. I wrote an article, well, um, Years ago, can you be polyamorous and in, in, in uh, um, can you be monogamous in in a poly relationship? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I that gets the most traffic of of anything. Um, and I'm constantly being asked by whoever the monogamous person is: is is there any way to make this work? And I said, yeah, you can make this work, but it's going to take acceptance on both your sides. Yes, so it's hard work. It requires an even higher level of communication because you, you your viewpoints are diametrically opposed mm-hmm. and you're trying to maintain a togetherness. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, and you're trying to find that synergy that works, understanding that it's, it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to always have compersion. You know, you're, you're not going to be what the ideal person is supposed to believe, be in these dynamics. And to get into some self-acceptance and give yourself a break, number yeah. one. And number yeah. two, recognize that the, the communication that may have worked in monogamous relationships is not going to be the same communication skills for the polyamorous dynamic. You know, there's this dishonesty by omission doesn't work, you know, or right. all of this little chinks of white lies and manipulation and all of that is not going to work, you know, when you're in polyamorous relationships, letting part, let a partner be okay with saying no. And it's your responsibility to get with receiving that no. So there's all this stuff that's involved. And that what, what may be included in that is understanding that if you want to stay with this partner and they say no to some things right now that you say, okay, Right. That you're not going to get all your needs met. And a monogamous person also needs to understand that they're not going to get all their needs met. Um, But but the secret is, is that no matter what relationships we're in, we don't get all our needs met Uh in in any one particular relationship. It's always compromise. It's always negotiate. 
but we live in the, the representative or the imposter world to where if you do get married and they become your one, they become your everything. They're your best friend. They're all of, this is a lot of pressure. They're, yeah. they're all of these things. It's seen as a shortcoming if you don't get all your needs met by this person. That means that you're not doing something right to fulfill those needs. Wow. You know? So we are about two minutes from break. And when we come back in the last segment, we're going to talk a little bit about compersion. And we are going to talk about affairs in, in polyamory and non-monogamy and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and do a little bit of myth busting and give you some, um, we'll end up with a couple of tips yeah. on how to create the structure that works best for you and for your partners. Right. Um, And so we'll be back in a couple of minutes after a word from our sponsors. Explore your deeper desires. Listen, learn, and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Are you ready for your erotic journey? Join host Lexi Silver every week for SDC's Seek, Discover, Create, the radio show. Whether you're new at this journey or well-traveled on the sexual road, we'll help you find your way with guest experts and hot topics about sex, relationships, and your health. You can also connect with the communities of SDC.com for even more advice and discussion. Listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Tune in to talk about sex and sexuality from a man's point of view. The Everything Sexy Show is direct, open, and uncensored discussions, ranging from open relationships to kink, sex parties, and self-love. Hosted by Jamal and Polly Rick, they'll answer your questions, discuss topics you're curious about, and provide a safe forum for perverted and provocative discussions you just won't get anywhere else. Check it out. It never hurts to listen. Everything Sexy, Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of Sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show in the final segment. And this week, it's N is for non-monogamy. And I am talking with Ruby Bowie Johnson. And in the break, we were having a conversation about orgasm. And she asked me, how many orgasms do I think there are? And I said one. And so I want to explain that. <laughs> um, this is an interesting thing because, and, you know, every day there's new research and there's a different type of orgasm and blah, 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 blah. I have a kind of radical idea. Most orgasm originates from the same system, right? So a G-spot orgasm is a clitoral orgasm from a different direction. Yes. So, in my view, these articles that say, like, uh, Bustle just came out with, there are eight types of orgasm. What they do is pressure women who already feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. 
So that's why I answer one, because I believe you can describe orgasms differently. You can have orgasms of different intensity. You can have orgasms that center on a different part of the body or that are started in a different way. But they're all from the same pleasure system. And when we divide it down, we really pressure, and you know, women who still a third don't have orgasms at all. So that's just more pressure. Not only are they not having one orgasm, they're not having all the other kinds of orgasms that they could be having. Right. Thank you. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I am learning so much about the, the pussy being president that mm-hmm. I am so excited about this, my personal journey, which actually started with polyamory. You know, I have become so liberated sexually um, as a result. Now, polyamory isn't about sex, but it is about sex. So I'm just going to leave that there and to say that sex is just not penis and vagina or however you want to term it. Sex is about how you walk, how you present, how you express. And it's all involved in a feminine, um, masculine energy that can be very tangible so yeah i will agree with that um we were so we were talking we mentioned compersion and i do want to i do want to define that for people compersion i mean my easy definition is compersion is when you get positive feelings from either uh, from observing or experiencing the joy of another that isn't centered on you and the example I give people who are not polyamorous is, you know, when you watch a toddler, <laughs> it's kind of hard not to smile when you watch a toddler running around and being full of themselves and just pure joy. Mm-hmm. And almost everybody who watches that pure joy will tap into it and will smile and feel better for a period of time. And that's an example of non-sexual conversion. Right. And I actually love that definition and that analogy with the toddler because that's actually a perfect thing. And, and I'm going to steal it. I will Go give it. attribution. Um, <laughs> but I agree that the um, happiness for a partner's or anyone's happiness is compersion. And I do want to state this because this is just something that I like to state. The opposite of compersion is not jealousy. You know, and I think that that's another oppressive system that we have within the polyamorous community. But yes. um, Oh, interesting. I didn't even think of it that way, but that makes sense. I was going to say, actually, maybe the opposite of it is sort of Schodenfraud. You know, uh, I probably pronounced that wrong. That's a German term for getting pleasure out of somebody else's misfortune. Oh, (laughs) that's a sociopath. (laughs) Yeah, but that just came to mind. I was like, I haven't even thought of the word in years. And like I said, I probably said it wrong. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Um, I just got, I got a comment rather than, um, than a question from someone, um, which was compersion. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was great. Thank you. Thank you for writing in. I really appreciate getting emails. Um, I mean, for me, that's, that's part of the joy of right of polyamory and 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 for us in in my marriage compersion is all about energy right so what he will say is he feeds off the energy that i bring 
right. from my other situations. And sometimes that is explicitly sexual. Sometimes I might bring stories. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's not sexual at all. It's simply right. watching me buzzing around and being joyful about right. whatever is going on. Right. Um, and, and that works really well for us. Also, um, because he's quite a voyeur, which helps. You know, if, you're a, if you're a voyeur and you're non-monogamous, you have a great time. Yes, you do. Yes. It can actually enhance. Um, there's usually when my couples um, come in and they are wanting to go to their first swing club and they go to their first swingers club um, and they have, they're in this space with all of this energy flowing you know, and they get swept up in it. They're like, we are feeling alive again, you Mm. know? And I'm like, that's about being around other people that can feed you. I mean, we are fed through our other relationships. We are social creatures. We are, are creatures that, that mimic and model. And so, and we are also creatures that are easily, easily get comfortable in our own information and don't impart new information. Yeah. And when, and when you go to that type of environment, you're actually welcoming all types of new information from all of the all of the senses that we have. You know. Yeah. And that and that's absolutely brilliant. Um one of the questions that I definitely wanted to cover was affairs in polyamory. Um okay. so people say, can you have an affair if you're polyamorous? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If you have um, agreements and you have expectations and you have all of these, these, you know, commitments and you break that commitment, I mean, in a way of you don't inform your partner that you have another partner or you you don't inform your partner that you've been sleeping with this partner until after the fact. That's that's infidelity. Yep. Yep. And it has the same consequences that it does in monogamy. Mm hmm the same emotional responses. People yeah. feel betrayed and it can destroy relationships. It can. Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, I, will, I always feel like I have to remind people it's the lying. That's the problem. It's the lying. That's the problem. Yeah. And, you know, people have different levels of transparency. Mm-hmm. You can get away with somewhat less transparency. You were saying earlier, you know, like little white lies in a monogamy that you really cannot get away with easily in polyamory you really need yeah. to be much more um transparent it doesn't mean you need to tell people your every thought you know yeah, I mean, people like to be radically transparent and they're welcome to do that yeah and the other thing that i always think is interesting is that you know there's a there's now of course a right way to do polyamory uh-huh <laughs> you know so if you have any hierarchies it's not acceptable because you know you have to be egalitarian right and, <laughs> But whenever people form a community, there always becomes these one true wayers. You know, there's always one true way. Right. And one of the the tips that I wanted to give people who are struggling with polyamory, trying to experiment, or in the lifestyle is, guess what? Each of us does it in in an individual way. There is no one true way. Yeah. That's why I love it. Um, I I love how um, Mark Michaels and... Patricia Johnson terms it, which is designer relationships. Yep. And and I I love that because there is no holy grail of what yes. this is supposed to look like. And once we get to that default standard, we're just going to have the same thing, the same dissatisfaction, 
you know, secrets, dishonesty that we have for any prescribed relationship framework. So we're about five, four, five minutes from the end. What would you, um, what tip would you, two tips, two best tips that you would give people wanting to get involved or involved in consensual non-monogamy? Number one, educate yourself, please. You know, going by someone else's opinion and what they think it should be is a mononormative way of learning about relationships. Go and educate yourself, um, join support groups, just be a learner, a lifelong learner about this because we are given a boilerplate of what it's supposed to look like to be in a monogamous relationship. There is no boilerplate for this, right? So educate yourself. And the, um, the second one is make sure all involved have the, sh- the same shared meaning of what we're doing here. When one person has one agenda and another person has another agenda, mm. Amen. And I mean, you when you see that in monogamous couples, it's bad enough. With polyamory, it becomes unbearable. Yes. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Email. It's rubyjohnsonlcsw at gmail.com. And I love answering questions. So um, ed- education is my thing. I love doing it. So cool. So you can get in touch. And I want to thank you for being here. This has been so much fun. It has been. It has been. And I don't know if y'all know this, but Lori has the best cheeks in the world. Those cheeks are awesome. I just want to bite them. (laughs) I go all red. None of you can see that right now. Um, And uh, next week we are doing O is for orgasmic meditation. And I'm really excited about this because I don't know a lot about this subject at all. If you are in the London area and you do um, have an interest in the DS part of BDSM in the Power Exchange, I'm teaching at Sh- Women's Empo- Erotic Emporium on the 24th of May. Um, there are also a number of workshops I'll be doing on sex and relationships for them running through to August, and I will place the details on the Sexy Lifestyle Network pages on my pages within there so that you can find out more about it. So I thank you for joining us and we'll see y'all next week. We hope you learned something today, but if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern time and 11 a.m. Pacific time for another edition of the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. See you next week. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com.
Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now.